Welcome to the National 5 RMPS podcast here at Stuart's Melville College with me, Mr Rylands, me, Mrs Crichton, and me, Mr Chalmers. Today, I'd like to talk about something that's not explicitly listed on the mandatory content list for Judaism. Bit controversial? Not if it sets everything else in context. Exactly. I want to talk about the patriarchs of Judaism, who are considered both the physical and spiritual ancestors of Judaism. Ah, interesting. The story of Judaism is important, as many people consider Judaism to be much more than a world religion. Some would argue it can also be seen as an ethnicity or a cultural identity. This is even seen within Israel, where 42% of Jews would say they are secular, as in non-religious. And in Jewish law, a Jew is anyone who is born of a Jewish mother or who has undergone a conversion to Judaism, according to the Halakha, the Jewish law. So you don't need to be religious to be Jewish. And you don't need to be born Jewish to follow the religion. And the story of where Judaism came from would be important to all of these people because it's where they came from, whether that's through birth or identity. So we're talking about patriarchs as founders as both the religion but also a group of people. Traditionally we would consider there to be three patriarchs of Judaism, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Of course, technically it is incorrect to refer to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob as Jews because the term Jew and Judaism was not used generally to refer to this nation until hundreds of years after their time. Nevertheless, for convenience, we'll go for it. We know this because it's derived from the written Torah, Talmud, Mishrash and other sources. Modern scholars question the existence of the patriarch and the historical accuracy of in this information. However, it's worth noting that scholars also questioned the existence of Babylonia or Troy, until archaeologists found them. According to Jewish tradition, Abraham was born under the name Abram in the city of Ur in Babylonia around 1800 BCE. He was born son of Terach, an idol merchant, but from his early childhood he questioned the faith of his father and sought the truth. He came to believe that his entire universe was the work of a single creator and he began to teach this belief to others. Abram tried to convince his father, Terach, of the folly of idol worship. One day, when Abram was left alone to mine the store, he took a hammer and smashed all of the idols except the largest one. He placed the hammer in the hand of the largest idol. When his father returned and asked what had happened, Abram said, The idols got into a fight and the big one smashed all the other ones. His father said, Don't be ridiculous. These idols have no life or power. They can't do anything. Abram replied, then why do you worship them? Eventually, the one true creator that Abram had worshipped called to him and made him an offer. If Abram would leave his home and his family, then God would make him a great nation and bless him. Abram accepted this offer and the Brit, or covenant, between God and the Jewish people was established. The idea of Brit is fundamental to traditional Judaism. We have a covenant, a contract with God, which involves rights and obligations on both sides. We have certain obligations to God, and God has certain obligations to us. The term Brit became more explicit over time, until the time of giving of the Torah. Abram was subject to ten tests of faith to prove his worthiness for this covenant. Even leaving his home is one of these trials. 
Abram, raised as a city dweller, adopted a nomadic lifestyle, travelling through what is now the land of Israel for many years. God promised this land to Abram's descendants. But Abram was concerned because he had no children and he was growing old. Abram's beloved wife, Sarai, knew that she was past childbearing years, so she offered her maidservant Hagar to his wife Abram. Uh, and this guy is respected? This was common practice in the region at the time. According to tradition, Hagar was a daughter of Pharaoh given to Abram during his travels in Egypt. She bore Abram a son, Ishmael, who, according to both Muslim and Jewish tradition, is the ancestor of the Arabs. When Abram was a hundred and Sarai ninety, God promised Abram a son by Sarai. God changed Abram's name to Abraham, father of many, and Sarai to Sarah, from my princess to princess. Sarah bore Abraham a son, Isaac, and derived the word laughter, expressing Sarah's disbelief at having a son at her old age. Isaac was the subject of the tenth and most difficult test of Abraham's faith. God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac as a burnt offering. Bit extreme. Perhaps, but this test is also an extraordinary demonstration of Isaac's own faith, because according to Jewish tradition, Isaac knew that he was to be sacrificed, yet he did not resist and was united with his father in dedication. At the last moment, God sent an angel to stop the sacrifice. But it's interesting to note that child sacrifice was a common practice in the region at that time. Thus, to people of the time, the surprising thing about the story is not the fact that God asked Abraham to sacrifice his child, but that God stopped him. Isaac later married Rebekah. He bore him fraternal twins, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and his brother Esau were at war with each other even before they were born. They struggled within Rebekah's womb. Esau was Isaac's favourite because he was a good hunter, but the more spiritually minded Jacob was Rebekah's favourite. Esau had little regard for the spiritual heritage of his forefathers and sold his birthright of spiritual leadership to Jacob for a bowl of lentil stew. Ugh, I'd want a lot more than that. The story gets a little more devious though. When Isaac was growing old, Rebecca tricked him into giving Jacob a blessing meant for Esau. Esau was angry about this and about the birthright, so Jacob fled to live with his uncle, where he met his beloved Rachel. Jacob was deceived into marrying Rachel's older sister, Leah, but later married Rachel as well. Rachel and Leah's maidservants, Bilhah and Zilpha. Between these four women, Jacob fathered 12 sons and one daughter. Bit much. After many years living with and working for his uncle slash father-in-law, Jacob returned to his homeland and sought reconciliation with his brother Esau. He prayed to God and gave his brother gifts. But the night before he went to meet his brother, he sent his wives, <laughs> sons and things across the river and was alone with God. That night, he wrestled with the man until the break of day. As dawn broke, Jacob demanded a blessing from the man, and the man revealed himself as an angel. He blessed Jacob and gave him the name Israel, meaning the one who wrestled with God, or the champion of God. The Jewish people are generally referred to as the children of Israel, signifying our descent from Jacob. Jacob fathered twelve sons. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Zebulun, Issachar, Dan, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Joseph and Benjamin. Are you about to start singing? 
I would love to. But these men are the ancestors of the tribes of Israel and the ones for whom the tribes are named. But Joseph's brothers were jealous of him because he was the favourite of their father and because he had visions that he would lead them all to. They sold Joseph into slavery and convinced their father that Joseph was dead. That's the start of the musical, Joseph and his technicolour dream coat. But this was all part of God's plan. Joseph was brought into Egypt, where his ability to interpret visions earned him a place in the Pharaoh's court, paving the way for his family, later settlement in Egypt. As centuries passed, the descendants of Israel became slaves in Egypt. They suffered greatly under the hand of later pharaohs. But God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses. God led them on a journey through the wilderness to Mount Sinai. Here, God revealed himself to the children of Israel and offered them a great covenant. If the people would hearken to God and observe his covenant, then they would be the most beloved of nations, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God revealed the Torah to his people, both the written and oral Torah, and the entire nation responded, everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. According to Jewish tradition, every Jewish soul that would ever be born was present at that moment and agreed to be bound to this covenant. But... Hang on, Moses isn't actually one of the patriarchs. No, that's reserved for just Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And what about their wives, Sarah, Rebecca, and all of Jacob's wives? I can think that this can perhaps be explained by the historical preference to see men as more important. But in this instance, the men did have something the women didn't. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were part of an unbroken line. Note, Moses not being counted as a patriarch, despite being a pivotal figure. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel and Leah are all mentioned by name, and we know that they had relationships with God, but they were first-generation Jews. The idea that Judaism should be passed on to your children remains central, even today. The Shema, that declaration, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, continues to say, teach this to your children. That continuation is a command. Can we summarise everything we've learned today? Yes. There's three founding fathers, or patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Who are both the physical and spiritual ancestors of Judaism. And in all their stories, we learn more about where the covenant came from and how our relationship with God began. Beginning implies we need to continue? Yeah. I'd say covenant is definitely a topic for another day.